Bank of Clark County has a comprehensive suite of solutions for your personal and business needs. We offer banking, lending services, and wealth management services with the best-in-class customer service you'd expect from a community bank. Whether you need a checking or savings account, a mortgage or home equity line of credit, a business loan, or to set up a trust or investment account, Bank of Clark County can help. Bank of Clark County. Big Bank Solutions, Community Bank Service. And we've just opened a branch at 530 Blackwell Road in Warrenton. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Now at Mickey D's, when you buy any crispy chicken sandwich or quarter pounder with cheese, you'll get a free medium fry and free medium drink when you order on the app. So do you have the app? How are you going to get this deal if you don't have the app? I know you have a phone. Anywho, if you have the app, enjoy your free fries and drink. If you don't, You can't see me, but know that I'm shaking my head. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Limited time only. I participate in McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Many years ago, my wife and a friend set up a party for their husbands. It was at the park, and uh, we didn't know each other very well, the two husbands, that is. We'd seen each other at church, waved at each other a few times, and that was about it. But as time would take it, and and it really honestly at the party we had to know each other his name was steph trapjack steph would tell me he wanted to start a blog and we would meet and we got his blog started it was called uh, steph's random ramblings you can still find it to this day at trapjack.wordpress.com t-a-r-a-p-c-h-a-k.wordpress.com i encourage you after this episode to go find it go through the archives Meet Steph. I got to know Steph. Steph actually told me that uh, he wanted to start uh, a men's blog, a community blog. And so we did that together, too. We started this blog called AC 180. The idea was it was a complete 180. We uh, we invited other guests to join us and uh, we created this community of fellow men just trying to turn from what we had been and be what we wanted to become. As luck would have in 2007, I was in San Antonio. I was on a business trip in my rental car with my sales rep. We were sitting in the light, and it was raining. There was a Taco Bell across the street. I remember it so vividly because my phone rang. I picked it up, this big old brick cell phone that I had. call was from Steph, and I told my friend, uh, I got to take this. As the rain poured down and the windshield wipers went, Steph delivered the news. You know, a week ago he had been in, uh, uh, I believe it was Myrtle Beach, on vacation with his family, splashing in the waves. Today, this day, when I was sitting at that light, he delivered the news that he had cancer. Stomach pain had led him to the hospital. Imaging has shown that he had cancer. At the time, he told me it was, um, looks like it's lymphoma. My response was, you know, that's one of the more treatable cancers. I tried to be positive. Dropped off my friend at a hotel and called Steph back. And I said, man, as soon as I land in Columbus, I'll be at OSU Med Center. I'll be there. I did that. I landed. I went to OSU Med Center. I sat by the bedside. And in the time of that phone call across the street from that Taco Bell, to the time that I sat at his bedside at OSU Med Center and went from lymphoma to stage four colon cancer. I remember Steph saying, 
I just want to be there to go walk my little girl down the aisle. That little girl had a birthday this week. She's no longer a little girl. This episode is going to be hard. This episode is going to be maybe the most difficult episode I've ever done. But I do it because I believe we are in a time when people need to hear the strength and the courage of his incredible bride. Steph had three children, and his bride, Sandy, has raised those three children to be incredible children in his absence. He'd be proud of who they are today. When his daughter had her birthday this week, I I looked back and I just kept saying to myself, he'd be so proud, so very, very proud. So bear with us today. This is going to be maybe the hardest episode I've ever recorded. This is going to be tough. But I think we record this for those that are in the fight, those that have won the fight, and maybe those that have lost the fight. Thank you in advance for listening to this episode. Thank you to his wonderful bride, Sandy. I've begged her to do this, but I think now is the time. And so we're going to do this because it's such a time as this. This is unscripted, and thank you, Sandy. I miss you, Steph. Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. My name is Corby LaCroix, and the song you're hearing right now is called Great and Mighty One, available on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your music. But for now, here's your host and my friend, Aaron Conrad. All right, everybody, welcome back to Unscripted from my studios in Old Hilliard. And uh, today's special, you've already heard the intro on the audio. If you have not, from the video perspective, uh, I will give a, just a very quick story. Um, our wives, this lovely lady in the video right now or on audio with me right now, set up a birthday party many years ago with uh, with uh, our their husbands. And uh, I, I got the chance to meet a guy named Stefan Trapchak. Uh, Steph and I would become very good friends. Um, and so uh, this interview today is going to be tough, I think, uh, and it's okay. And we're going to go ahead and say in advance that we may have some tears because I'll probably cry more than Sandy, but uh, th- this is going to be tough. Maybe not, but w- we're doing this today for a lot of different reasons. And so, um, Sandy, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, Aaron, for having me. I have been chasing Sandy for months trying to get this interview and her internet was knocked out last week. And so uh, I I feel like in many ways it was supposed to happen and yet it has not been able to happen. But here we are. So, um, Sandy, can you just tell us uh, tell us a little bit about you? Tell the audience a little bit about you and then we'll really get into your story. Um, I am a single mom of four kids and, um, they are 22, 20, 17 and seven. And I love, 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 love being a mom. Um, I also work at a hospital outpatient care center, um, full time. I love what I do. I'm an x-ray tech and, um, and I'm local to you. I live here in Hilliard, Ohio. There you go. And we've known each other I don't even want to say how many years because it'll make us all feel old. So we won't, we won't even say so. 
<laughs> let's let's start at the very beginning. I've already said how I met Steph, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later here in, in the process. But um, how did you meet Steph? How did you guys get together? Like, what's your uh, what's your story with Steph? Well, we first met at a wedding, and at the time he was dating someone, and I was dating someone. We were just um, in the wedding party, and um, it was a it was in Cedarville actually, and so. Um, as luck would have it during the rehearsal, there was a, um, an emergency or whatever. And the people who were in the wedding, a lot of them were volunteer firemen and stuff. So they had to leave. So Steph stepped in to be my partner who would walk me down the aisle, you know, as a bridesmaid. And so, um, he asked me my name and I gave him my name and that was it because I was, I don't know, probably 20. And at that point, um, I was not outgoing at all. And I really, if you weren't in my circle, I didn't invite you into my circle. So I gave him what he asked for. And that was it. I did not ask him his name. I didn't make small talk, nothing. So he kind of walked away from that experience. Like, wow, (laughs) that was pretty brutal. So um, fast forward a few months later, and the same couple decided to set us up on like a blind date. They were positive even at their wedding that we should be together. So once we had both split up with our respective partners, they set us up on a blind date. He got there first. I showed up. He said, when I walked in, he was super disappointed because I was the girl from the wedding who was like brutal. So he was like, great, this is going to go well. Um, But anyway, so it actually did go well. We ended up going on dates after that. And I was kind of smitten from the get-go. My dad, who was a professor at the university for years, asked around about him. Everyone who knew him at the university loved him. So then my parents were on board. You know, he was a great addition to our family. We became great friends with, um, you know, my brothers, my sister, that type of thing. Um, So we dated for about two years and, um, you know, just in the hustle and bustle of life. And I'm a firm believer that the two year mark for relationships is brutal. And so as luck would have it again, we split up. And so my brother, um, Jim stepped in, took me to a concert. You'll appreciate this, Aaron. He took me to Brian Adams and Mr. Big. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers Mr. Big, but we went to see, um, them in concert while, um, Steph, he had been living at my parents' house for a little bit. So he moved out and everything. And so we uh, continued on our way. He kept meeting up with my sister because he was having a rough time being a part. I was too. So a few weeks later, we ended up getting back together. The following November, we were engaged. And then the November after that, we ended up getting married. So November was a big (laughs) month in our relationship. But um yeah, it was it was good. October's ours. So just so you know, like like Heather and I, every, oh, okay. we, we bought so our first house, we had our first child. Like yeah. every, October's our month. Like we okay. bought a car, I think, in October. So October's ours. So yeah. November's yours, October's ours. <laughs> I don't know if that's, a, that's true for anyone else listening, but like we, we know when October comes breaks because something's going yep. to happen. So. Yeah. <laughs> So from there, you all transitioned into uh, not one, not two, but three children. And, uh, yep. and, and so can you talk a little bit about, um, the children? 
Yeah. So um, we waited almost five years to have kids and Steph was, I mean, as you know, Aaron, he was more of a planner. And so he always wanted to have all his ducks in a row and um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we bought our first house. We lived in Grove city and um, shortly thereafter um, our house flooded. And so that was very (laughs) catastrophic for us. Um, But Shortly after that, um, we ended up getting pregnant. I found out we were having um, a son. So, of course, Steph was super excited about that. And uh, so shortly after our firstborn, Derek, was born, we moved to Hilliard and um, moved to a great little neighborhood. Um, One of my best friends still lives there. Um, And we became friends with so many of our neighbors. It was just a great experience. So... We had Derek three years later, well, almost three years later, we had Justin, and then almost three years later had Carly, and um, yeah, I mean, I knew from the second I was a mom, I mean, while I was pregnant, I was going to be a full-time working mom, you know, that's how my path was taking me. As soon as I had my first, I was like, yeah, I am not cut out for that. I know a lot of moms are, I give them big kudos for that, but I just was not cut out for that, so Fortunately, um, into it a little bit, I was able to go part-time. I stayed home with them and then eventually stayed full-time with them. But um, yeah, amazing, amazing kids. They're amazing. And so at the time they were very young when, when uh, the things we're going to talk about, I think soon happen. Um, but uh, there was also an amazing church at the time uh, that, yes. that I think yep. that's where you met Why my wife. And I, I, I was familiar yeah. with Steph. Honestly, one of the, the memories I have is walking to Lowe's and I think I ran into him in the like drywall aisle or something. And, and, you know, he was just Steph. He was always full of life yeah. and always welcoming and all those things. And so um, I think we all got to know each other at Northwest Bible church in Hilliard. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, at the time, it's so funny because the season in all of our lives, it was such a you know, wonderful place for all of us to be young kids, young moms uh, for us at least. And I think that's probably true for you as well. Steph was very involved there as well. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it ended up being a great, um, a great church for a season of our lives and, um, a great support system for us. Yeah. Yeah. And so quickly turn, and I'm not trying to rush through things. I, I want to really get to the, the, really why a lot of what we're going to talk about today, but, um, at some point you and Heather got to know each other. And so you and Heather planned a birthday party. Sandy was at our 40th. I'm I'm old. Uh, was it around our 40th, something like that? No, I bet it was because Steph was 38 when he passed away. So maybe 35th. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. So Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and so you, you all planned this party for us at the park and I didn't know him yeah. well. I, I, like I said, right. I waved him in at Lowe's. I knew him from Sunday morning. I didn't know him well, right. uh, but in the course of that, that picnic or, you know, this party, uh, we got to know each other a little bit like, Hey man, our wives set this party up and we got to talking and, <laughs> and he was familiar with me cause I had this blog. And so we got to talking and we created this blog. And so, uh, quick pause. Anybody listening, please go listen, go look at Stefan. You know, it, it's, uh, what is it? Terapcheck.wordpress.com. And that's, mm-hmm. that's Steph's random ramblings. And so we set up his yeah. little blog and he got going on that. And he, and we had so much fun between our two little blogs and, 
yeah. and what would happen is we, this community kind of came together and eventually I remember y'all came over for a cookout and I think we ordered pizza or something, yep. but we had something at our yep. house and, and Steph and I hatched this plan for something called AC 180. And it was this other blog yep. that we wanted to create. And so there's other guys that hopefully will listen to this today that, uh, we became this men's community where we were all sharing a lot long before the technology even exists today. And we were going through life together. And so fast forward through all that, just so everybody kind of has some idea. Um, then the call came when I was in San Antonio. So I've already shared my story on the pregame, kind of the, the intro. Um, can we go to when the call came for you guys? You were on vacation the week before. Did I have that memory correct? Yeah, yep. we were in Myrtle Beach because we went to Myrtle Beach every year. And, um, and it was odd because... Um, we always went to, um, North Myrtle, Cherry Grove, and, um, we were on vacation and we were driving around and he was like, okay, you have to get us back to the condo. Cause he, of course, being the friendly guy that he was years before <laughs> had met up with a family who had a condo there and they didn't rent their condo out, except they rented it out to us because Steph set out Steph a pool and chit chatted with them and right. became fast friends with them. So, um, so he's like, you have to get us back to the condo. And I was like, why, why do I have to get us back? And he's like, well, in case I'm never here. And little did I know that was our last trip to Myrtle beach. No, the kids and I have never gone back. Um, just there's, it kind of seemed like it ended and it was a good end and none of us have been interested in going back, but I just thought that was so weird when he said it. And I remember looking back thinking, wow, you just never realize sometimes when, you know, an end is coming and it kind of, snuck up on us for sure. But anyway, so fast forward to July of 2007 and we were in bed one night and Steph had been complaining off and on and he would sometimes too about how his stomach hurt, but we always attributed it to, oh, well, we were just on vacation. You had a lot of fountain pop. You had a lot of food that you wouldn't normally eat, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, so we were talking and, um, my sister called and she was like, Hey, how about if we, uh, kids and I, she had um, kids around my same kids' ages. And she said, how about if we come up and go to the zoo tomorrow? And I was like, well, Steph has this doctor's appointment because he hasn't been feeling well. And he was like, no, no, go ahead and go. It's not like you're going to the doctor with me. So um, my sister decided she would come up and go to the zoo with me. And Steph had this doctor's appointment. He also um, had like some testing done at children's, but they weren't comfortable of how the results were coming out. So they really wanted him to go to this doctor's appointment as well and stuff. And so uh, I remember being at the zoo and he called and said, um, hey, well, actually that morning too, he kept saying, well, I think it's diverticulitis. I've been like looking this up and all this kind of stuff and you can do surgery for this and this and that. And I remember saying, don't put the cart before the horse. Nothing tragic ever happened to us, really. I mean, we had had a good run at life, you know. So then when he called and said, they think I might have cancer, I mean, I was like, what are you talking about? There is no way. I mean, we were talking about diverticulitis in the morning, and I was thinking that was pretty dramatic. Right. And um, But I remember feeling like I had been punched in the gut. But I will say, I never at, at any moment felt like it was not going to work out in a positive way manner. So I felt like I had been punched in the gut because I just, that's not the news I was expecting. But um, looking back, I realized that 
the Lord had his hand in it from the very beginning because for my sister to call at about 9, 9.30, somewhere in there to set up this play date for the next day, both of us, our schedules were completely clear. It worked out great. Uh, and my sister is just a really amazing caretaker. And so she immediately hopped into action. She's like, I'll take your kids home. She loves my kids as if they were her own right. children. And she took my kids home. In fact, I think they would have lived there for a while if they could have because, I mean, she does so many amazing little things with them and stuff. And so she took them home. I was able to turn my attention full-time to staff. So I went to be with him at the hospital. And I was supposed to go out to dinner with some friends that night. Um, and obviously I had to cancel that. So they ended up coming up to the hospital, kind of hanging out with us for a while. Um, but I just kept thinking, I know that by, because it was a weekend. And I just kept thinking, I know by Monday when we get these results back, like this is all going to be like, wrong like oh we thought it was that it's really not it is diverticulitis you can fix it with surgery you know and um and i just remember thinking as we started getting the results like things just kept getting worse and worse and worse and it turned into a diagnosis of stage four colon cancer and i remember immediately like going to the internet and googling this kind of stuff and what are the survival rates and you know that type of thing and um the best piece of advice that I got, I don't know that I listened to it hundred percent and I'll talk about this doctor later too, as we talk more, but when we first met with him, he said, don't go and Google stuff. He right. said, because you're not going to get accurate information. You're going to be scared to death and that type of thing. So at the time I do remember stopping for a while. I'm a huge researcher. So I, I get going down all these rabbit holes and stuff, but I did stop for a while because um, it wasn't getting me anywhere because the news when I would read it on the internet was horrible. Like it just, I wasn't able, first of all, to stay in my world of denial. I live comfortably in denial a lot. And then also I wasn't able to um, function well as a caretaker when I'm constantly looking at the bad side of things. So. And so from my, and I think I've already shared this a little bit, but I, my memories are, are very similar um, because I was in San Antonio and I, I, I remember it like it was so clear. And, and I think when he first called me, he said um, he thought it was lymphoma. And actually to take a step back, I don't know if we're allowed to say this and if we're not, then I'll edit it out. But um, he, w- he had pneumonia. Was it in yes. December or January? It was um, New Year's Eve, actually. He had gone to the hospital because um, he was not feeling well. And we didn't think, I mean, there was no part of us that thought it was pneumonia. Um, But he was, he went by himself because I stayed home with the kids and he was diagnosed with pneumonia. But looking back, the cancer was there all the time. It was the size of a golf ball on New Year's Eve. Um, you know, obviously that was the Lord's plan. I mean, he knew that there was cancer there. He didn't have the diagnosis come out at that point. Um, you know, that was hard to swallow for a while. Yeah. Again, agreed, uh, as his friend, because I'm protective of my village. And, um, I remember him telling me that and, it was on the imaging and they just missed it because they weren't looking for it. They were looking for pneumonia. And so uh, again, no, no disrespect to anything, you know, all that stuff. I just, but I did want that to be, cause it is a part of his story. Yeah. And I remember being so yeah. angry that, um, that they missed it. Uh, whether or not it yeah. would have made a difference, we don't, we'll never know. Um, but 
uh, and I remember that that transition from, as you said, and I think we, I think I was there the day that they took him in for his. Uh, I mean, we'll just call it what is it? They took him in for a colonoscopy, and uh, mm-hmm. I think we were in the waiting room hoping yeah. for great results because they were right. staying stage four and we're thinking, Oh no, there's no way this guy's so healthy. He's right. anybody that doesn't know he was thin. He was in great shape. He felt great yeah. up to right. two weeks before. And so that just right. blew my mind that this does not make sense. And I know when he comes out of this test, it's not going to be where it is. Um, and yet it was. And so how hard was that for you as that transition went as you said, the news kept getting worse, not better. It did. It did. And I remember during some of the journey, I mean, he was always super positive, positive, but I do remember sometimes he would say like, I just need one little piece of good news. It just seemed like every time he went for a test, it was worse. And we kept getting behind the eight ball. But, um, so I remember talking to my brother, Jim, one time on the phone and I just was like, I just want to like wake up one day and I'm not in tears because I just felt like, all the time. Like it was, the news was bad. I didn't have control of my family. I'm kind of a little bit of a control freak. So to have my kids displaced at my sister's house and then they'd come home for a little bit or he'd be in the hospital or he'd have, you know, something done. It was, um, it was very traumatic um, and a really, really difficult time to go through because I just felt like there was no control and um, it just, it was just upsetting because here we have this, these three precious little kids and, you know, we didn't know what to tell them at the time. Now on the flip side of all of this, I have given advice to other moms who have gone through similar situations and stuff. But at the time we just had decided that we would let them know he had cancer. It was, you know, Lord was going to you know, provide a way, this type of thing. And, um, and I think that was for us at the time, it was the best thing, um, that we were able to do. Um, but I just remember I had that constant, um, cloud over my head still saying though, there was no part of me that did believe that this was going to take his life. I had full belief that he was going to beat this always always. And part of that, I think, was my denial that kicks in when, like, traumatic things happen. You know, I just, that's my coping mechanism. Um, Because now when I look back, I'm like, holy cow, everything I was reading on the internet or every doctor I was talking to, you know, there should have been a part of me that realized what the truth was, but um, I didn't. And um, it was difficult. And that's why we're doing the interview today, because I don't know where I don't know where this will land. But I think there's probably people that may be in that season right now. And so this what you're sharing is so powerful, I think, for them. Um, my memory, too, you know, and, and if people don't know, Steph loved his kids and he loved you. Uh, we'll probably talk about uh, his passing. And, and I don't remember a lot. Um, and I was honored to be able to speak at his funeral. But what I will tell you is that he loved you and he loved his kids. And um, if you go back and look at his blog, he was doing things about they were learning what was so weird was we were I think again we had a birthday party together um we were the same age um you all in your season of life were right where Heather and I were and honestly there were so many guys at Northwest that were in the same season we were all in it together which made that a time so beautiful at Northwest we were raising our kids together we were going through life together and that's what happens when you're in community and 
I think so many of us as dads and husbands looked at that and said, oh my gosh, you know, especially at 35 years old, that, that, that doesn't make sense. And it woke a lot of us up to say, Hey, you know, life happens and, and these things happen. And so, and he was such a champion in that time. Um, but he loved his kids. And, and so if you get a chance, go back and look at his blog because he wrote posts about learning how to ride bikes and ramps and kids actually check out his blog a fair amount, especially Justin and Carly. They go back and look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll mention Carly, uh, at some point. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, so we got the diagnosis and then, then the surgeries and things he went and thank God for Ohio state med center. Um, incredible, incredible. They went, you know, and, and I remember him telling me as he was studying, cause he wasn't prepared for this, you know, there's no better place to be than a university type hospital because they're trying the latest and the greatest. And so again, I was believing you know, I remember the scripture oh, yeah. too, of, of approaching the throne with confidence. That's what I kept mm-hmm. praying was I'm going to approach the throne with confidence that God is going to right. heal him. And, yeah. um, but at the same time we knew stage four is stage four. And as you said, I Googled and, uh, I didn't like the yeah. answers I got. So, um, but there were some radical procedures, uh, and, and, uh, I'll maybe let you tell it, but I know there was some pretty radical procedures they were trying in the latest. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, um, first of all, we met with an oncologist who was associated, I believe, with Ohio Health. And um, so we met with him. And I remember after Steph passed away, he did send me a um, card and said, you know, in his practice of several years, he said, at the time, there were three patients he would say changed his life. And he said he remembered when he walked into the room for the first time when Steph and I were there to meet with him. Steph had these Adidas soccer shoes on or whatever. And he said, I just thought, oh my goodness, I have those same shoes. And he said, I immediately put myself, you know, as him, like right. this could be me, you know. Right. And uh, so we had a phenomenal oncologist. And then I remember just navigating that whole thing. And I think maybe in today's world, it might be different, but I just was navigating like, who are we going to see for this? And so I just got on OSU's website and started going through and um, came across Dr. Martin. And I decided I would um, online apply for um, an appointment. And so within 24 hours, we got a call back and I remember sitting there for his first appointment and this couple was sitting beside us and they're like, how long did it take you to get in for this? And um, I said, well, I just, I got online and filled out this um, page online and within 24 hours, they called us back. Well, they had been from Texas and had had multiple referrals and had waited seven months wow. to get in to see Dr. Martin. Wow. And so I just, I mean, I knew at that point, like this, this was where we were supposed to be. And then when we met with him, um, I remember him um, saying that he had two other cases that with this exact type of colon cancer. Steph had signet ring cell um, colon cancer. It would never metastasize to his liver, so but there were other things that it would just obviously catastrophically do. But um, so it was unlike colon cancer in some respects. But he said he had two others, and Steph immediately said, "Well, how did they do?" And he's like, "They're both doing." Uh, remarkably well. 
And after Steph passed away, he told me both of those patients had died pretty early on, but he said, I knew if I told Steph that they both had passed away, the only two that I had seen in my whole career with that exact type of cancer, he's like, he's not going to fight because he's going to know what the ending most likely will be. So, um, and so he's the one that told us, don't go crazy researching stuff. If you have questions, get a hold of me. He was amazing. Even when most surgeons I'm sure would have removed stuff from their service, um, after there was nothing that could be done, he kept us on his service. Um, he, you know, came and sat with me at Thanksgiving one year, um, had his son drop him off at the hospital and he, but he was just a wealth of information. He was extremely caring. Um, and he just had innovative procedures that he was willing to try. We did chemo washes, um, where everything is basically bathed, I believe in really hot chemo. And, um, we tried that. We tried multiple things, nothing that I, I don't think he was trying things just to try things, but he was trying things that he felt were backed with research, but Um, He was a godsend. I mean, amazing. I mean, when we were originally told stuff probably had three to six months to live, we had an amazing oncologist who gave us time that Dr. Martin, I firmly believe, was a very integral part in keeping stuff alive for 17 months. Yeah. And I remember two specific things when, when, um, he had his first surgery. And as you said, it was a, I remember it called a chemo bath, chemo wash, where they would basically go in and do the surgery. But while they were in there, they would just bathe all the organs in, in Mm -hmm. chemotherapy. Um, and I remember them coming out when we were in the waiting room after his first surgery and telling us, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the guy was like, it was awesome. We had a, it was very positive. Um, yeah. he, I remember him calling it jelly on a football. It was like removing jelly off a foot. Do you remember that? Um, I don't. I, I do. I remember him saying, ah, it was like wiping jelly off of a football. And I'm like, what an odd reference to make. But yeah. at the same time, I was excited because he's like, you know, we yeah. got 90 something percent. Do you remember that? I do remember the high, high, high percentage. And so I went home and I'm like, okay, so cool. Does he move down the scale now to stage three or stage two? That's awesome. You know, and, and, and I remember asking Steph after he said, man, I'm always going to be stage four. And I was like, man, that's, Mm -hmm. that's crazy. Like the guy said, we got X amount percent like we, but, but you know what I mean? Like they got, you know, a high percentage. And I remember having so much hope and then Steph saying, I'm always going to be stage four. And I, I just, I still to this day don't understand how that works. Um, but I, so, you know, there was those highs and lows. How did you manage the highs and lows? Um, well, we had an amazing support system. I mean, I, like I said, my family, amazing. My brother, Jim was phenomenal throughout it. Um, my sister, my parents, um, I mean, my mom would come up and stay with the kids. Um, my sister would take them to her house. I had a group of girls that I actually refer to still to this day as my Tuesday night girls. Um, but they didn't become my Tuesday night girls till after he passed away. But I'll tell you the second we, found out his diagnosis. They showed up on my porch with coolers of food to put in the freezer. They offered to do things with my kids. They, I mean, whatever needed done, they were offering to do it. Um, And these were girls that we had, um, they were couple friends of ours. And so, but those girls rallied around like I hadn't seen before. Um, 
And then our church was super supportive. Um, Steph's workplace, he worked at Children's Hospital at the time, amazing. Um, they were very good at giving him the time off that he needed. Um, as soon as he was diagnosed, the radiologists that he worked for got together and sent us on a trip to Disney right. um, and sent my niece along so that she could watch the kids. Um, so I would say the highs were provided mainly through our support system because I don't feel like we had a ton of highs with news or anything like that. I feel like those were the lows, like the hospitalizations and you know, heading to a CT scan and we would firmly believe that, it, you know, it was going to have a positive outcome and then it wouldn't. So, um, so I would say our support system is who brought us through those lows. I mean, just, I, I can't even fathom what it's like for people who do not have that rock solid support system. Um, and I think so often in today's world, we feel like we can do it on our own and survive on our own. We don't need others. And we've been, you know, disconnected from friends because of right. belief systems and all that kind of thing. And I, I think back to that time, I'm like, my goodness, I could not have survived if I didn't have those people like almost probably physically at times holding me up. I mean, right. it was just unbelievable. Yeah. And so it's a village and that's, it takes a village, um, to get through, yeah. I think any of these seasons. Um, uh, and I, I, I honestly, I, it's so funny. We go back to the, the cookout. We had a cookout. I didn't know Steph and yet, um, had the opportunity to be there with him through this entire season. Um, I'm going to mention this now because I think it's fair for anyone listening. Um, it's a blessing and it was, it was really hard. Um, and, and, uh, I think I still struggle. Uh, so why I, I mentioned that is because you, you're his spouse. Um, but I think those in the village that are there, we walk through those highs and lows too. And I think anyone listening, um, and you can probably expand on it maybe, but anyone listening know um, that those, whether you're in it, whether you're walking with someone through it, it's hard. You know, and I, I hate to say it because we're not the ones walking through what Steph, Steph was fighting like crazy, yeah. but I was standing right. there almost like an armor bear, you know, and you were, yeah. and, and, and others too. Not, I'm not some hero. I'm just saying, I think when you're in that season with people, it's really hard to, and I think it's okay it to admit it's that it's exhausting yeah. and it yeah. still is. I think it leaves, yeah. you know, there Steph's in a wonderful place. I can't wait to hug him again. I get right. on his neck, but right. um, you know, for those of us that are left, it, it, we still deal with it. And there's still days where it hits me. I know it hits me twice a year, his birthday and when he passed. Um, and I'm sure that's yeah. true for you as well. Is that true? Yeah. <gasps> Only one sale away from the Shopify 1000 Club. Is that a thing? Wow, Mom. Have a cookie. I'll take one. <laughs> Dad. These are delicious. You need to sell them. Mm -mm, you should. Mom! No, seriously. Let's set you up on Shopify. It's easy. I always knew you would build your own business. Guys! Yum. Yum. Okay, if mom can do it, then why not? Number 1000! Start selling today with Shopify for free. Sell online, in person, and anywhere else your future holds. And manage it all from a single place. No design or coding experience necessary. It's why every minute of every day, something amazing happens. A new seller makes their first sale with Shopify. Plus, with on-demand business courses and 24-7 support, Shopify is with you every step of the way. So, when you're ready to bring your idea to life, build it on Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of ideas around the world. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free 14-day 
30-day trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Go to shopify.com slash free 22 and start selling today. Shopify.com slash free 22. Money is the number one cause of stress and the number two cause of divorce. Make your money go further and work harder with a certified financial planner from Facet Wealth. Financial planning used to focus on retirement, but Facet helps you with today. You get a dedicated financial planner that guides you through every financial decision. Inflation, interest rates, stock market changes, home prices. How do you figure it all out? Well, every advisor at Facet is a certified financial planner and fiduciary. That's just a fancy way to say they have the best training and they're legally bound to do what's in your best interest. This isn't just about investments. It's about taking care of your money so you can start living a better life today. Facet has a simple flat fee, no hidden charges, and with nothing to sell, there are no commissions. Visit TryFacetWealth.com for two months free off your first year of financial planning. That's T-R-Y-F-A-C-E-T-Wealth.com. Facet Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment legal or tax advice. It is. It is. And it's, um, I think, you know, the kids and I, at first, it was so traumatic because you don't even know how to operate in life without someone who's been such an integral part of your life. So learning that, and I do remember um, a friend of mine at church, uh, Cheryl, had come up to me and her husband had passed away. Um, I don't think too much before right. stuff, but I can't right. remember the exact time. Right. But she came up to me, gave me the absolute best advice I probably received. And she said, um, the first year is really hard. The second year is harder. Mm. And I remember thinking, okay, you know, sense. and right. And it's so true. The first year was so hard because we didn't know even how to operate without him. Everything was just hard. I, I mean, I had to do absolutely everything on my own as far as taking care of the kids. I mean, I had help, but as far as just, you know, figuring out how to get Derek to soccer and Justin to t-ball and Carly to gymnastics and, you know, get him ready for school and all that kind of stuff, that was all on me. But then the second year, I remember, was horrific because that's what sets in as far as this isn't changing because now we've had two Christmases without him. We've had two birthdays without him. We've had, you know, and so that was such good advice because I think in her telling me it's okay, you're going to cycle through grief once and then you're going to go through it again. And so don't freak out. And I think if I had cycled through grief that second time without someone giving me that advice, I don't know where it would have led me because I would have wondered why can I not get out of this spinning you know, circle. It, I, it just was so helpful to know, like, okay, there's someone who talked to me and said, this is expected, um, not wanted, but it's expected and I'll make it to the other side. Right. I want to make one more mention um, because I'm, I'm so glad you transitioned um, into life after. Um, there's one more memory that I have during, and it was, it was towards the end, unfortunately, but um, Steph had made all these plans. I think y'all were going to go to New York. I think we were going to go to Chicago. He had all these trips planned and his passion was to live. He wanted to go live, you know, um, yeah. because I think we all, you know, there, there was a good chance that we kind of knew where things were going to head. And so he made all these plans for you guys. You went in for, as you said, that Lionel, that last CT. Um, and, uh, we all, again, we were expecting great things. You know, he was doing well, he was doing good and you had plans and the doc, I just remember him telling me the doctor said, um, 
if you want to live, we have to do surgery. And it was quick. It was within the next like few weeks, if I remember right. And he, I'll never forget his words. He said, I thought that's what I was trying to do. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know, he had plans for you guys. And um, I'll never forget him telling me that, that he said, he told the doctor, I thought that's what I was trying to do. But the doctor said, I'm sorry, you got to cancel your plans. We have to do the surgery. And is it fair to say that after that surgery, things just never really rebounded? That's what I feel like. That's my memory is. It I just didn't. felt like at that point, we realized we were so far behind eight ball. We, I mean, we couldn't really cover any ground. We were at that point, I just felt like kind of grasping at straws, trying to keep him alive. And I remember in October, um, we went to meet with um, some people at Cedarville, at the time it was Cedarville College, uh, Cedarville University, and some adults and professors and um, adults, because I say at the time, I didn't feel like <laughs> I was an adult and we weren't meeting with students right. or anything, but, um, but anyway, um, we went to meet with some of them and, um, at the end, um, Dick Walker had suggested that, and Dick Walker was very, um, instrumental in things that happened at Cedarville at the time. And so he had organized some events for Steph and all that kind of stuff to benefit him. But, um, he suggested that the women um, go off into one part of the house and pray with me and the men could pray with Steph. And I remember the men, Steph told me fervently praying that if it was the Lord's will, Steph would beat this, that type of thing. The women, I thought it was so interesting because they prayed specifically for me and my strength, but they also prayed for individual things for the kids. Mm. But I remember one of the ladies praying so hard that my kids would have photographic memories. And at the time I thought it was that was cool. That was a really neat idea. I'll tell you, um, Derek doesn't really talk about it much, but my other two, Justin specifically has an insane photographic memory. And he remembers very specific details about his dad and Carly. She has two very specific memories of her dad. And that to me is amazing. Cause she was three at the time, um, that he passed away. So for her to remember anything, I don't remember anything from when I was three, nothing, you know, I don't, you know, for her to have these two very specific memories. Um, it just shows me that even though we were going through this incredibly dark season, the Lord did care about us, um, to answer what at the time seemed almost not not insignificant. Cause I don't want to say that, that a prayer was insignificant, but just to pray that some of these kids had photographic memories. And at the time I wow. still believed he was going to beat it. So I don't know why they needed, you know, photographic memories or whatever, right. but to see that he actually answered that prayer and how my kids remember these crazy details. Cause for instance, Carly, she talks about this memory of her like being on the couch and her dad was in the kitchen, like shaking this, bag of food not anyone who knows stuff knows he didn't cook and if he would ever offer to make dinner it was always shake and bake chicken i hate shake and bake chicken so i would always turn him down because i didn't want that for dinner but for her to remember that he was shaking this bag of food so that was him preparing this shake and bake chicken i'm sure one night you know but she remembers what he said to her the tone of it and so it's just amazing how I can look back now and see that these seemingly insignificant things were so amazing that the Lord was showing, you know, hey, this is going catastrophically south. 
Yeah. But I'm I'm showing up in this storm and I'm going to answer this prayer that this woman prayed that your kids would have photographic memories. Right. And the prayers all mattered, I think, is what what's important. Oh, for Even sure. though we, we, you know, and I remember telling Heather, like, you get sick, they give and this is pre-COVID, but you, you, you get the flu, you get strep, you go get a couple of, you know, huge horse pills that you're supposed to, somehow supposed to swallow right. a horse strap, right. which I'll never understand. But uh, you break your arm, they give you a cast. You know, like, there, there's always a fix. And I remember being so frustrated because everything else to my life in our 30s, Everything else that had right. happened to us, you there's a fix. You get a cast. You get a. Right. Uh, you take Nyquil, whatever it is, and right. this was not happening that way. And I remember being so right. mad for him. Um, and and so, as we transition to that, um, I'm still trying to think of when the best time to say it is. I've already said it in the in the intro, but um, the most important thing that Steph said to me, um, that I remember was when we when I arrived so way back during the diagnosis. We didn't know what it was yet. And he said to me, um, I just want to see my little girl walk down the aisle. And um, as you and I have, have exchanged messages, um, I still get to see that little girl, whether it's on Instagram or uh, Sundays in church. And um, yeah. I've had this, every time I see her, I hear his voice say those words. And mm-hmm. um I know how hard that is for me. Um, and yeah. I'm just some, I'm just a, a bystander. I, you know, I mean, I had a, yeah. had a cup of coffee in his life. Um, and so I don't know how, I, I can't imagine what that's like as a parent, um, yeah. knowing that that's how he cared for, not just her, but the other, the boys, like he loved his boys. He was, I have a book back on the shelf behind me. Um, and I don't remember what it's called. I think it's right up there somewhere um anyway it's it's this book that he gave me and it was like things to do with your boys and there's like ramps and airplanes and things that you do on the weekends i can't remember what it's called but he gave it to me as a gift and he loved his boys he was so intentional um with his children even at those ages so sandy what were their ages when he passed um derek was nine and then justin was six and carly was three Okay. And I knew they were very close to ours. And so, um, I want to transition to kind of after, but I do want to tell you that it was such an honor for me, uh, when you asked me to speak at his funeral and I don't remember what I said specifically, but I do remember the key points and they were that he loved his Buckeyes. (laughs) He, he was a Carolina. Can we, can we just pause to say he was a North Carolina fan when you met him? He was, he was. I don't know when he drank the Kool-Aid, but at some point he became an Ohio State fan. But he was a Carolina fan at some point. But um, yeah. <laughs> but he loved his Buckeyes. Um, he loved you. And he loved his mm-hmm. kids. And I remember saying yeah. that you will, you, will, um, you will say what you think, but you'll live what you believe. And he lived what yeah. he believed. And those three, those yeah. three pillars were so important to him to the point where yeah. um, I know I remember mentioning he had like an account, like a, a, a rolling account at the flower store. Yep. Do you remember that? Yep. Uh, be, because he, cause he bought flowers for you. He bought flowers for you. And I remember at yep. one point he was like, hey, just go ahead and, you know, order me some flowers, put them on my, my tab. <laughs> he, had, he had like a rolling tab at the flower store. Yep. Uh, that's just kind of guy he was, yep. um, you know, and, and I do remember another time when he was, it was, it was starting to really get bad. And I think it was your anniversary. You, I'm, I might get this wrong because he would remember, I don't, but what, is it cheesecake from, 
from Max and Irma's who's no longer around, but was there a dessert at Max and Irma's? Um, their banana cream pie. See, yep. that's, see, that's why he knew I didn't, but I, I had to pick up yep. dinner uh, on my way to the hospital uh, for you guys. So you could have a special meal. He was that intentional all the way through the entire thing. He was that intentional and he was that intentional with the kids. And all. so anyway, uh, just, just so people could know who we're talking about um, and honor him that way. And I'll say he's intentional enough that, Still to this day, like he set it up with someone, I don't know who to this day, but still on every anniversary, flowers show up to my house so awesome. from him. Yeah. So someone is keeping it up. And I've had several friends who are like, do you think it could be so-and-so? You should ask him. And I don't want to ask anybody because I love that it was so magical. Yeah. He didn't want me to know or he would have said something, you know, um, and whoever does it has never breathed a word. I've put thank yous out on Facebook. I've said, thank you, you know, to people like, I'm like, I'm so thankful that I get these flowers. No one has been like, Oh yeah, that's, that was me. He asked me to do it. No one has ever breathed a word. So someone has kept up that magical side of him. Um, and obviously he set that up with someone to, to keep it going. Cause it was something that was so important to him. Yeah. I can promise it's not me. Oh, I promise it's not, uh, which is so cool that, that he, and again, so anyone listening that's in that storm, maybe you're that person that's going through it yourself, uh, here that you can still leave impact, um, no matter what, I think that's why I wanted to do this. So important for everyone listening, no matter what season they're walking through, but he still made impact even, you know, even in, even in his really tough times. So, um, okay. So transitioning, uh, and again, I don't want to rush through anything, but, uh, you've been so wonderful with your time and, and really being so honest. Um, so now, you know, everything's happened. Where do you go from here? How did you, where did you even start to, I think you touched on this a little bit already with that knowledge that somebody gave you, but where did you, where do you even start after the moment? I mean, I don't know that I did it 100% correctly because I look at other people, how they've come out of something like this. And, um, but like I said, my coping mechanism a lot of times is denial and my coping skill a lot of times is just to breathe, breathe over things. And so um, I think that's what got us through at the beginning, honestly, was we just went back to life as normal. Since then, we have revisited things and I feel like... Um, to some degree, we've dealt with it. Um, as I've said, one of my kids um, have not, but his time will come that he'll feel like it's an appropriate time. So I think everybody grieves so differently. But again, you know, I had my support system. Um, I had my Tuesday night girls who stepped up and they decided since I had these three little kids, I was a full-time stay-at-home mom. Um, they would come over every Tuesday after we all got our kids in bed. They brought Rice Krispie treats, snacks, drinks, everything. And we would sit around my kitchen table till 12 or 1. And that was our going out night since I, you know, it was just going to be too difficult. Um, because at the time, even though I felt like I was kind of going back to life as normal just to make it through, a lot of times, and I've described this to other people when you go through very traumatic events, I felt like I was like trudging through wet cement that I could not like get out of. Like I, I just kept trudging through it and I was, I wasn't stuck a hundred percent, but I just did not feel like I was like moving forward, but we kept life going. But, um, 
I had my wonderful friend in the neighborhood, Melanie, and my other friend, Kelly, and then these Tuesday night girls. Um, my mom helped out a ton still with my kids. My sister did. Um, and so I had these different pockets of support that um, really helped to move us forward. Um, but it still was so hard because at the time, this was my first traumatic event really that I can recall anyway, because I had never had anything like horrible happen to me. Like I had lost, you know, grandparents, which is traumatic or hard, but it wasn't like losing the father of my children, losing my husband. And um, so it was very, very difficult to work through, but I had this amazing group of people who rallied around me. I had meals brought to, I mean, we couldn't eat all the food that was brought to us. Um, just, so just those little things, um, my friends, um, you know, they banded together and got me a year of house cleaning. Um, several times I've had people reach out and they're like, Hey, my friend's husband passed away or my friend's wife passed away. What's something that, um, you know, we could do for them that's useful. And I think so many times, um, like you think that it's not whatever you're going to be providing, it is not going to make that much of a difference. Still to this day, I talk about this friend of mine from church, Jen Radcliffe, so if she hears about this, um, but she reached out to me one time and said, I just feel like the Lord has laid it on my heart to bring you guys a meal once a month. And, you know, to someone else that might seem like, once a month, is that really going to help somebody if I just offer for once a month? Maybe I should offer for, you know, every week or something. I'll tell you, that was one of my most looked forward to nights because wow. she would get a hold of me and it was, she would usually plan it for a night that, you know, I didn't have sports stuff going on. So the kids and I were going to have an intentional dinner sitting down together. And I'll tell you, you don't know Jen. She's an amazing, amazing, amazing cook. So Wonderful she brought food. this amazing food over. And I look back to that and she may have forgotten that by now. But I'll tell you, those nights that she brought those dinners. So if you think that you're going to not help someone out by this insignificant gesture or whatever, just understand that if someone is in a traumatic grief, you know, um, grieving time in their life, it doesn't matter what you're offering to, it's going to be helpful yeah. because it's a, it's a bright spot. If nothing else, it provides a bright spot in their life. And so one of the two things that, that came out of that, um, one, I think so many people at the time, you just don't know how, how can I help? You don't want to hover. Yeah. You don't want to. So I, th right. I bet I have a feeling a lot of Steph's friends. So any of the guys listening that were Steph's friends, um, just because of the dynamic, I think a lot of us have, have hovered. You know, what I mean, ne never, never swooped in because I don't know if we knew that that's our place. But uh, I think he entrusted some of his closest friends to always watch you and his children. And so we've done yeah. that, whether it was through social media or seeing right. you somewhere, Aldi's one day, whatever it might be like. like Right. That's right. Right. Uh, we, we've hovered yep. and we've been around. And so I think those are yep. the people that you probably don't even know. There's still people and that doesn't sound, hopefully that doesn't sound creepy, <laughs> but, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you know, there's probably a circle of people that are doing that, that you're not even aware of today, but here's the most yeah. important thing that I'll, ne another thing I'll never, I learned so much from him. He had so much wisdom um, that I've taken into my life. And, and one of the things mm -hmm. I remember him telling me on the way home, he was, he wasn't a prideful guy. Like he was proud of himself, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. He, he right. was a guy. He, he was a, um, and I think, right. you know, a lot of us are like this where we don't want help. I don't want to ask for help. Right. I right. don't need your help, you know? Um, and then this happened and he had to put that aside. And I remember him saying, um, I apologize. My dog is barking in the background. <laughs> I'm done scripted. Um, but I remember him saying, if I don't allow someone to help me, then I'm robbing them of the blessing. And I think he just talked about that for Jen, for me, for the people that used to come over and cut your grass or paint your fence or all the things that people did that probably thought they were insignificant for him. It was hard for him to say, okay, yeah, you guys can paint my fence or you guys can whatever. Um, that was hard for him to accept help. And I think that's true of all of us, but at the same time, I'll never forget him saying it will rob them of the blessing. And when he accepted that, um, it allowed other people to bless him and for him to be able to accept that as a blessing. And so for anyone listening, maybe that's something that will, will help be helpful too. But was that true for you? I still say that to this day. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, after my dad passed away, I was talking to my mom and offering to help her with something. She's like, oh, I don't mean that. And I'm like, mom, if people are asking to help you with something, they truly want to help and you're taking away their joy. Yeah. And they, you know, I think that Steph taught me that as far as um, someone's reaching out, you've crossed their mind, you've impacted their life. They want to help out while it was difficult for him because he wanted to be out there doing those things. Right. And that's hard to realize, like, you know, your life is going totally South. Um, but but he did because he knew that those who had reached out were truly wanting to help out and they were doing it from this place of this immense caring and um, love, love mm -hmm. for our family. Right. Um, and I know we're, we're nearing an hour. I didn't want to go too far over that. Um, I'm so thankful. First of all, your strength is Unbelievable, Sandy. Um, oh, thank it, you. It's just incredible to be, to have this conversation. So um, quickly, can we talk about the kids? Um, how, yeah. how did you parent? Um, you know, how did you parent from from yeah. from post to even today? How did you parent them? You know, I often wonder like what it would be like if Steph were here and we were parenting together. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think I'm too far off from how we would have. Because I think you evolve throughout your parenting time and stuff. But I know so often people are so against being friends with your kids. You know, you're the parent, you're not their friend. And I just took a role for the most part. I'm sure my kids could bring up some memories when I didn't seem very friendly towards them. But <laughs> for the most part, I feel like I have tried to be a friend to them because I want them to come to me about questions they have or come to me, I want to be their first phone call yeah. if something has happened. Um, I don't want them to 
think, oh my goodness, who should I call? Because my mom's going to be really upset or something. You know, like just the other day, Derek had a flat tire and he called me about this flat tire. Now, Derek could have figured out to call, you know, for a tow truck and all this kind of stuff, but he called me because he was frustrated. He was upset. And that's what I've wanted to establish with my kids. And I feel like we've had such a close bond since their dad passed away. And I think we would have had a really close bond, but I'll tell you, those kids of mine have been amazing. And I mean, some of my kids' friends have even commented on it because when my boys walk out the door, they're like, love you, mom, love you, Carly, love you, Bridge. I mean, we tell each other every single time someone's right. gone out the door, we love them. And I think we've also, we also do that because we've seen the side where life ends and you weren't expecting that. And we realized that, life is precious and life is short. And, you know, I kind of live from the mentality of, you know, if something catastrophic happens, I want that person to know that I love them, you know, and how I feel about them. And I don't want it to end on an angry note or something like that. And so I've just parented from a place of, you know, yeah, obviously we have some, you know, rules and boundaries, but I've also parented, I feel from a place of friendship and love. And I feel like, it's turned out pretty good. Yeah, it has. Uh, so that's what I wanted to want to tell you. I, again, I don't know them very well. And, and so I've hovered, uh, uh, as I said, um, but, but, you know, you, you, you can tell a lot uh, from even yeah. being distance away about somebody's children and how they've been raised. And so I want to tell you that uh, I can't speak on his behalf, but I will as his friend. And I think you've done an amazing job raising your children uh, in his absence. And I, I I look forward to the day when they're all, when we're all together again. Um, uh, I think again, as I said, the hardest thing for me has been, and I have two girls, I have a son as well, but uh, I think the hardest thing for me, because that was the one that he mentioned specifically. And so how um, she's, not a little girl anymore. 17. 17. No, and she, not a 17th birthday. 17th birthday. And so yeah. somewhere, um, I know that he is proud of her yeah. and he's proud of you and he's proud of the boys. Um, so, yeah. um, I know we've covered a lot of ground today. Uh, where, where do you go from here now? They're, they're, they're getting older. Um, yeah. they're, they're of ages now that, you know, they're starting to do their things. Where do you go from here now for anyone else that's in that same season? Well, I mean, I think sometimes, you know, people will offer a lot of advice and advice can be really good. But I think when you're in situations like that, you just have to do what works best for your family. At the time it worked best for our family to, we were pretty much an open book with people. And, um, we also, um, I mean, we kind of kept our kids out of the loop to some degree because I, I mean, I think that was traumatic for them. I remember, I know you're trying to wrap up, but I remember having them come to the hospital when he was really sick mm -hmm. and they ended up leaving and they were all like throwing up. They weren't ill. They were so traumatized yeah. seeing their dad that way. Right. Then he came home a few days later for those last 11 days. And I remember when I went and woke them up the morning that he woke them up the morning he passed away and they were stunned mm -hmm. because up until that point, if someone comes home from the hospital, they've come home because they've gotten better. Right. And so I have advised people since then, you have to do what works for your family. If that means telling your kids everything, tell your kids everything. If that means keeping them out of the loop a little bit, keep them out of the loop. 
but um, when things like that happen, I think you have to be upfront. And I wish I had told my kids when he came home, like dad's really, really sick. Yeah. He hasn't gotten better. Yeah. Um, and yeah, would they have been able to process it? I'm sure Carly wouldn't have been at three, but to see how stunned they were, that still breaks my heart today. And I just wish that they had been a little more prepared. And um, cause I feel like that is still a really hard part of their lives. I feel like they were totally shocked by that. And so they have not been able to wrap their heads around that. So I just, you have to do what works, but also if the end is coming, you have to acknowledge that with, you know, kids. Um, I read a phenomenal book. I probably recommended it to everyone who has lost a family member. I don't remember the authors, but if you Google the title or go to Amazon, it's called when a family when a family's lost a loved one and I, um, Alan Lowe and his wife, Kristen gave me the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have bought so many copies of that book and handed that book out. Um, phenomenally well-written book. Um, so I've read a lot. So I think, you know, it's helpful for people to read. I had people reach out with advice, just short little clips of advice and, you know, I took those, several of those and really internalized a lot of those. And um, I do believe it helped. But then, you know, um, we've kind of gotten back. We had a period of our lives where we were kind of out of touch with our loss over stuff. And I feel like we've gotten back to that now. And um, we are upfront with where we are as far as in the grieving process. And, um, and while we sometimes still seem stuck maybe years ago, I just think, you know, it's okay. I don't think we'll ever get through that grieving process. I think it's normal to constantly, not constantly, but routinely grieve someone that was such a part of your lives. I mean, it was hard enough for me to lose him as a husband. I can't, I can't imagine these kids at three, six, and nine losing their dad and what they've had to deal with you know, as far as that goes. So I think you just have to do what works for your family. And that's the biggest piece of advice. And somebody might give you other advice and you're like, oh, it's going to be difficult to keep up with, then don't do it, you know? And for us, routines kind of flew out the window for us. I was super routine oriented. I mean, bedtime was every certain, you know, at a certain time every night, dinner was at a certain time. Routine kind of flew out the window and we just kind of did what worked for us and what kept us afloat. It's incredible advice because I think anybody on the outside, I, I can't, I can't even get my mind around. It. I don't, I like, I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, and yeah. so I think anybody on the outside, I don't know that anybody would judge, you know, cause I think it, it would be yeah. chaos for a bit. Um, and so I'm, I, again, I just, your strength is amazing. It has been amazing over the years. And I think anybody that knows you has um, been able to watch you just, transition through this. And it's been amazing. Um, I do remember one last note when we were, uh, in a small group together and there's a book, I'm not going to read it cause I'll mess it all up and probably start crying and everything else. But there's a book by Max Lucado's, um, called when Christ comes. And I remember us being in a, a group together and I couldn't even get through it that night. Cause I think we were all still just so, and I think it was years after, but, uh, I don't remember the timing, but, uh, it just talks about when we get to heaven and, um, how, you know, the first people we meet are going to be, you know, 
there's just gonna be the sea of people. And, and I, I, I say that to say, to honor Steph, because I'm not the only guy that was impacted by him. You know, your family clearly was, but there were so many people, as you said, he was just a people person. And so, yeah. you know, they were there to greet him. And yeah. one day I just believe beyond um, all I have that we're all going to, to meet him again. And I just yeah. remember all of us being in a little bit of tears because it was, uh, it was tough at the time to picture that, but, but he earned it and he's yeah. there now. And I know one day we are going to be with him. Uh, and, and obviously we're going to be with Christ at the time. So yeah. Steph may, you know, we may actually just not even ignore, you know, we may ignore Steph and just be, you know, worshiping, uh, the one, but, uh, at the same time, I know there's going to be a sweet reunion. I believe it with my heart. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Is there anything anybody can do listening to this? Um, you know, uh, what, what's your, your best advice? I think you already gave, what's your best advice for, um, uh, anybody recently diagnosed? What's the best advice you have? Um, first of all, you have to, um, research, so I think there is that I, you can go crazy researching, but I do think you have to research where the best um, treatment can be. Um, look for your support system. If people are offering support, take it. Um, you know, if they're offering meals, if they're offering to drive you to treatments, whatever, take it because it's exhausting. At first, it seems doable, and then it just becomes exhausting. Um, you know, we had lots of people give us advice on where to go for treatment. I think you have to stick to what you believe. And, you know, sometimes I've struggled with that over the years. Like, ah, oh, goodness, can we kept him alive if we had gone to MD Anderson in Texas? But, I, you know, we had a, a doctor that we both worked for at Children's. And he said, you have this great research facility in your backyard. Right. Why would right. you leave it? And, yeah. you know, I think that was good advice. And it was him in a way saying, you can't do that. That would be stupid to do. But he said it very gently. But um, we did. We had a great place. And so we kind of had to start just, you know, di like discounting, just getting rid of all that noise of, um, you know, oh, have you tried, you know, all these different treatments and stuff. And, um, and then I just think, again, you just, if you're recently diagnosed, you have to, um, like do what works for you. And, you know, if, if that means calming down your work schedule, if that means, you know, going to see family, um, get pictures taken. I always say get, you know, family pictures taken. Right. It, it's not to be morbid, but you don't know where life's going to take you. We did get family pictures taken mm -hmm. and I'm thankful for that, you know, um, so I always tell people, go get pictures taken because you'll appreciate them later, no matter how the situation turns out, you know, that type of thing. But, um, and then, you know, if it's a mom or a dad with little kids, just spend tons and tons of time with your kids. Steph spent tons of time with the kids. We were very intentional with that. And then after he passed away, I started a thing. Obviously, they were little, so we didn't, they didn't stay up late. But I let each of them one night a week, they got to stay up half an hour later than the other two and they got to pick whatever we did so i can't tell you how many nights i played floor hockey or you know what you know baby dolls with carly or whatever um but my kids still talk about those nights to this day they remember that there was intentionality there and i think it's just important that there's little ones involved like um we as adults might be exhausted because 
you know, the one who's fighting the battle, the one who's caretaking and that type of thing. But the little kids are suffering. They might not know all the details, but I think sometimes that's harder for them because they don't know the details. They don't know what's going to come. And um, so, um, and if you're someone who knows someone who's been diagnosed, reach out and help, like take a meal, offer to take the kids for a night, um, get their house cleaned. Um, just those little things, you know, um, especially for the ones who have had to continue working, um, you know, it's, I mean, a, a night off for babysitting, a, a day of babysitting if it's a stay-at-home mom or something like that. I mean, there's always something that you can do or offer. That doesn't even have to cost anything. I had friends who would take my kids and bake cookies with them. And I mean, my kids thought it was fabulous, you know, but it was, it gave me a day to go run errands that I didn't have to drag three kids. So if you know someone who's been diagnosed, go sit at the hospital. And I had friends who would stay overnight every single night those last seven weeks so that I could go home, put my kids to bed and sleep in my own bed. Might've seemed crazy to them, like not a big deal, but when it, happen and I got to go put my kids to bed you know because they were so tired of me being away all the time that was a huge deal there's always something you can do to help someone whose boat is sinking at the time wow um this has been amazing and I'll I'll, I'll say again I don't feel equipped to say it so I won't say, I don't even know what if I want to say I want to say it on his behalf but fellas um you know love your wife. I mean, uh, love your wife and, and surround yourself with guys that will, uh, secretly send her flowers on your anniversary. If you're gone, um, that's, uh, hopefully that's another takeaway that people listen. I didn't know that. That's so cool that that, that still happens. Um, and, uh, again, he loved you. He loved the kids and his buck ass. So, <laughs> um, thank you so much. Your, your strength. What's that? your strength has been amazing. Um, I'm honored again. I was honored to be his friend, uh, for the, the short season we had, I wish I was his friend long. I, I wish I would have known him longer and we would have got to know each other longer. Um, thank you for allowing me to speak at his funeral. What, what an incredible honor that was. And I haven't forgotten it. And, um, you know, like I say, I think, I think a lot of us are still watching and, and, we may not be integral parts every single day. Cause that might be awkward at times with your kids, but, but, uh, we're there and, um, I can't wait to see Carly walk down the aisle. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it will be something and he will be very proud. Um, and, yeah. uh, I'm, I, every time I see her on Sunday morning, I, I just think those words. And so, uh, never even shared that with her. Uh, but, but, um, it's, you know, I shared it with you. So, um, thank you, Sandy, so much. I know this was probably not the easiest thing you've ever done and I made you do it. Um, but I believe it's going to help a lot of people and your strength is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, thanks for continuing to chase me down and get me to commit to do it. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, we don't know where it's going to land, but I have a feeling it's going to land with somebody that needed to hear it today. So yeah. uh, I'm forever thankful. And uh, you, you, know, you know I'm always here for your family, too, and, and our family is as well. So yeah. I appreciate you. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Unscripted Podcast with your host, Aaron Conrad. Make sure to like, share, follow, and review on your favorite podcast platforms. Also, make sure to check out my song, Great and Mighty One, on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your music. 
We'll see you next time on Unscripted with Aaron Conrad. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.